word of God and inward light. Wake our spirits, clear our sight. Surround us now with all your glory. Speak through me that sacred story. Take my lips and make them bold. Take hearts and minds and make them whole. Stir in us that sacred flame. Then send us forth to spread your name. Amen. So friends, if you've not been um, looking or not been here before, then you won't know that we're in the middle of a sermon series where we're looking at some of the things that we value. Um, and um, we first looked at these most recently at our annual meeting back in April, but that was a Wednesday night and not all of you were here. So this is a bit of an overview of um, some of the things that we want to regard as our values or the things that we value. So particularly prayer, um, no, prayer particularly the Lord's Prayer. And last week we looked at the phrase, your kingdom come uh, as a key uh, phrase within that. Uh, we want to be people who follow God's, God's desires. And as you've heard this morning, uh, there's a calling to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And then to love our neighbour as ourselves. We want to be people who let the gospel be the only stumbling block. And there's two elements to that. One is to say that we want to tell out the good news that Jesus died and is risen and brings us hope in this world. But also, we need to allow that gospel to be told so that people who visit, and apologies if this has already happened to you, if you people who visit do not find that it's unfriendly or difficult to park or the chairs are hard or you can't hear or it's too cold or too hot, um, actually, we need to let the gospel be told, that good news. We want to be a church um, where we want to let the Spirit do the convicting rather than the church do the condemning. So the things that we say are designed to help us to grow as Christians, not to put us off from faith. And then there's a little phrase there about every member missionary. We want to be people where we all recognise that we all have a calling to be people who live out this good news in all the situations that we find ourselves in. So that's a bit of an overview. We've been unpacking that over the last couple of weeks now. Prayer two weeks ago, uh, your kingdom come last week. So today the obvious thing is to talk about the love of God. However, we thought we'd leave that to next week, um, given next week is Father's Day, and it gives us an obvious reason for them to talk about the Father heart of God and what it means to be able to say, Our Father in heaven at the start of the Lord's Prayer. So today we're focused in on the love of neighbour. Love your neighbour. Um, and, um, and you might think that love your neighbour as yourself is pretty easy to do. Um, that is until we look at the detail. We kind of need to define our terms. What is love? Who is my neighbour? How do we love ourselves, and thus we might then be more equipped to love our neighbours as ourselves. So just a few small questions, if you like, um, for us to tarry with this morning. So but before we take the command apart, it's helpful to notice a few things. First of all, the only occurrence of this phrase, this actual phrase in the Old Testament, comes from Leviticus chapter 19, where we see it in amidst a number of laws around how to live in community. Um, and there's the context of that phrase. Uh, it's, it's Leviticus 19 verse 18, love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. And if you can see the small print, you'll see that actually there's a whole number of very clear commands about how we're to live in community. That's Old Testament. 
Now, the bringing together of the love of God and love of neighbour as a summary of the whole law was probably not something new to Jesus. Which is why we got in Mark 12 that sense in which the teacher of the law was recognising that Jesus answered wisely and echoed Jesus' answer. But, for example, um, there are quotes uh, here from the apocryphal book known as the Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs. Now, this book acquired its final format in the second century AD, that was just 100 years after Jesus, 200 years maybe, um, but was most likely already around in Jesus' time in some form. Thus, we get the Testament of Issachar, uh, of the Lord and the neighbor or the testament of Daniel of the Lord with all your life and one another with a true heart. Now certainly after Jesus, in the bits of the New Testament that come after Jesus, so that phrase, love your neighbour as yourself, is taken to be the rule of life. That is, this is the guiding principle by which we are called to live. Not only is there that Romans passage we've already had, but here in James 2 at the top, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, that is, love your neighbour as yourself, you're doing right. Royal law sort of there meaning the king of laws, the most important law of all. And in Galatians 5, we have it that um, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself, that's verse 14, towards the bottom there. And we see that same sentiment in Paul's writing to, to the church at Rome, which we've already had this morning. Love your neighbour as, your, as yourself, says Paul, is the fulfilment of the law. And Paul suggests that as we do this, so we put on the armour of light and clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's verse 14 and verse 12 up there. It's also a view held by rabbis from around and before the time of Jesus. And the best known quote is probably that from a chap called Hillel the Elder who said this, What you yourself hate, do not do to your neighbour. This is the whole law, the rest is commentary. Go and learn it. Hillel the Elder was around from about 40 BC to 10 AD, so before Jesus was teaching on earth, um, he was very clear that, um, this was a Jewish elder, um, that loving of neighbour is around the whole of the law. And yes, they did have a sense of humour back then. So we know it's important to do this, but practically what are we called to do? Let's go back to those questions then. Let's start with what is love. Well, God is love. And if you want um, a treatise, as it were, on God and love, then 1 John is the place to turn. 1 John 4, in particular, um, will give you um, a, a significant overview of the love that God has for us. And um, I want to pick up on the start of the next screen, please. Here we go. Um, so this is the middle of verse 16 of 1 John 4. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now, we can 
barely scratch the surface of this on a Sunday morning. We learn to love by being as Jesus, by getting to understand God's love for us. God sent Jesus to us when we were still enemies with God. So God the Father put aside his own desires for intimacy with the Son. He put aside his own desires for lack of hurt of himself, so that there might be a way for us to be reunited with God. Now, I think for ourselves, we would all say that if we had the opportunity, we would put ourselves in the place of a relative or friend who was suffering, a suffering loved one, so that we suffered instead of them. And if we could do that, then we would do that. And that's what God, God who is outside of time and who is three in one, did for us. He saw the mess we got ourselves into. He saw the consequences of life lived without reference to God. And he chose to put himself in our place. So God, in Jesus, took the consequences of our sins on himself. And in Jesus' death, so the separation of father and son was so keenly felt and known. So how then are we called to love? Well, we learn by dwelling on what God has done for us and how that demonstrates his love for us. In terms of John's, gospel, uh, John's letter, we are called to be, in this world, we are like Jesus. And what that means will take a lifetime to discover. Now, St. Francis of Assisi, that 13th century Italian um, uh, monk saint, um, has been described as one who walked the world like the pardon of God. And I think we do well to work out, and to begin to work out, how we might embody or inhabit the grace of God in our dealings with the world. We want to go home today, so let's move on. The second question then, who is my neighbour? Thankfully, we have a view on this from Jesus. In Luke's Gospel, uh, Luke 10, 25-37, Luke, um, uh, Jesus had a questioner who asked about the greatest commandment, uh, and his questioner wanted to justify himself and asked that very question of who is my neighbour then to Jesus. Jesus' response was to tell that story of the man who went from Jerusalem to Jericho and was beaten up by robbers, and the priest didn't stop to help, and the Levite didn't stop to help, but the Samaritan did stop. Now, Samaritans, as a group, did not get on with Jews. There was bad history going back generations. So it's a great surprise for Jesus' hearers that the one who had mercy on the man who had been beaten up was an enemy of the people. We then are left to do the interpretation. Do we say that your enemy, your neighbour, sorry, is whoever you come across who needs mercy or who needs help? Do we say then that we do not refuse to help a fellow human who needs it, whatever their skin colour or creed or history? Perhaps it's about putting aside religious laws in favour of real human and human relationships. Remember, though, in the story Jesus told, the Good Samaritan did not just offer instant help, but he also paid for nursing care at the local inn. 
So the quality of help we are called to offer is not about, as it were, a band-aid, but about bringing lasting change. There are echoes for me of that call from Micah chapter 6 in the Old Testament where it was talked about saying to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To love mercy. So corporately, as a church community, that's why we're involved in the food bank. And I'd love to see us back involved in debt advice. That's why we run the cafe on the Wheatwood, as a means of beginning to love our neighbours. However, I recognise it's not enough. We need somehow to be more radical. We need to both hold out the grace of God to individuals, whilst at the same time challenging the unjust systems, which means that individuals are allowed or get into such difficult situations. So, love your neighbour, there's no exceptions. We're all made in the image of God, we are all fallen, and we all are called to live in right relationship with him. So your neighbour of whatever ilk, we're called to love. So I posed a third question. How do we love ourselves? Well, you tell me. How do you love yourself? Do you buy treats for yourself? Do you buy nice clothes? Do you buy food beyond the basics? Do you buy chocolate? Do you buy alcohol? Do you buy weekends away? Do you buy a nice new car? Do you buy flowers, holidays, alcohol? Now, it'll be easy at this point to give you the guilt trip and say that the ways that you love yourself should be the ways that you love your neighbour. So when you buy that next new jacket, buy your homeless friend a new jacket as well. When you buy yourself a holiday, buy that struggling parent uh, family who are on benefits a holiday as well. But frankly, do you need that holiday? Do you need that new jacket? Or do you just want it? However, I think we need to come back to think again about how God loves us in order to work out how we are to love ourselves and then how we are to love others. It's been said the problem of modern society is that we love things and use people whereas we are called to love people and use things. And as Christians, use things to the glory of God. So, God loves us by laying aside his majesty and coming to earth in poverty and dying that we might have life. We're called to love others in the same self-sacrificial way. Frankly, it's relatively narcissistic to love yourself. Yes, look after yourself, but lavish gifts on myself, no. Love is intended to be of and for other people. Even Paul said that he made his body his slave so that he might better preach Christ. The way of love is to put aside my desires in order to serve others. So perhaps we need to dwell again on the way God loves us before we can possibly work out how to love ourselves and our neighbours. That, though, as I say, is a lifelong task, and not just for a Sunday morning. No wonder it is described as the royal law, the one which is the fulfilment of the whole law. 
Now, one way to see this is that we're called to demonstrate the love of God to all our neighbours. Both those we naturally get on with and those we don't. By demonstrate, I mean demonstrate in actions, in terms of allowing our faith to be experienced, in offering to pray with others, in words perhaps of introducing them to Jesus, Jesus being the only one who brings hope of eternal worth, both for this life and the life to come. Let's end with another look at St Francis, that one who worked the world like the pardon of God. In his lifetime he emphasised poverty, simplicity and humility yet challenged the great injustices of the system, whilst being grace to the individual. I suggest we all need to learn to do the same. We need to find more space, more quiet contemplation of God's love for us. More echoes in our own lives of the good things of the past. Whether that be the pre-written prayers, whether that be the words of the church fathers, whoever. We need time for more awareness of grace. grant us, Lord, that courage to amendment of life. Amen.